Amen. <laughs> You're welcome. You can have that. That's for you. Take that to your kids. Let's all stand in reading of God's word. Nehemiah 6, verse number, uh, let's go to verse number 5 to verse 9. Nehemiah 6 and 5, it says, Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Wherein was written, it is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it. That's, that's a cool name. You want to name your son something? Gashmu. Thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, this is what he's saying in the letter, to Nehemiah, there is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Sambalat wanted to get Nehemiah off the job of building the wall. And then he says in verse 8, Then I said unto him, this is his response, saying, There is no such thing done as thou sayest. He said, you're not... What are you talking about? This is, there's no such thing. But you feignest them out of your own heart. You're making it up. It's a lie. It's fake news. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Amen. I simply want to talk to you today on this thought. Fake news is over. Fake news is over. Amen. Let us pray one more time. And we have a prayer request here today from, for a Rinaldo Girado, a Blacktown Hospital, very sick, praying for healing and salvation. We also want to pray for uh, Sister Buna's family. Sister Buna uh, lost her father uh, yesterday. Uh, Brother Marika, who was a member of this church for many years, but he passed away yesterday in Fiji. And so we want to pray for Sister Buna and the family. Father, we just come before you this morning. Lord, we thank you for what we're feeling in your presence, being together with your people. What an honor, what a privilege, Lord Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, as you touched us, that you would once again touch these precious people. For Ronaldo, Gerardo, who is very sick, we're asking you to go to him and to heal his body right now. Lord God, we pray. In your mercy and in your grace, Lord God, we ask you that you would intervene and that you'd perform a miracle, Lord God, that you would show yourself to be strong as the healer and the savior of his life. Touch him now, I pray, and recover him in Jesus' name. And others that are sick, we ask you to go to them, Lord God, that you would recover every single member of this church that is sick, Lord God, I pray. And Lord, we ask you for your family for sister buna and the family today we ask you to touch them to give them your peace and your comfort and that god you would give to them the strength that they need as they grieve the loss of their dear loved one we ask you to bless bless them and keep them in jesus name and father for your word this morning we ask you to touch our hearts once again speak to us as you anoint your people oh god let the living word preach the written word this morning, Lord God, that we may hear from you, Lord, and that we receive your message in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Would you praise him one more time? Thanking him for his goodness. Glory to God. Glory to God. God bless you. You may be seated. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. The cupbearer was an extremely important and prominent position in the kingdom of Persia. A trusted confidant to the king. Uh, Cupbearers would not only be the wine tasters to ensure not only that the wine was good, but to ensure that the wine or the drink was not poisoned. And so every time he, he went to his job, there was the potential that he would be killed. It was to protect the king. He also, the cupbearer also had to be well presented uh, in the presence of the king. He would be positioned in the throne room. And so whenever the king would come into the throne room, uh, the, the cupbearer was required to radiate a joyful countenance. Whenever the king came in, Nobody in the throne room was allowed to have a sad countenance. They had to have a smile. They had, and so the cupbearer always had to be smiling in the presence of the king. That was his job. I, I know some people here today, perhaps it wouldn't be good at that job. <laughs> I know it's the first service in, on Sunday, but uh, some people, you just can't get a smile out of them. Amen. They, they, they can only smile when things are going good for them. Have you ever, ever know anybody like that? You know, they're, they're only happy when things are good, but when, you, when you're happy, they're, they're not really happy for you. You know, there, there are some folks like that, that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're energetic when they're talking, but, but when you're talking to them, they get bored. Ever, ever come across people like that? Like, you know, they, they have so much to say to you, but when you talk, they just kind of switch off. And uh, what, what was that? Sorry. <laughs> But Nehemiah had to genuinely be happy in the presence of the king. But as the story goes, in, in, the, in Nehemiah, in the first chapter, it says that when the king came in, he saw Nehemiah's countenance and his facial expression, and it was not happy. He, and so he turned to him, and, and he's lucky. He's very fortunate that the king liked him. Otherwise, he could have easily have him executed for not having a smile on his face when he came. Amen. I, I think, I think we ought to have a smile on our faces here this morning when the king comes into his room. Amen? Praise God. This shouldn't, be just a, this shouldn't be just a duty. It ought to be a joy to be in the house of God. I get happy when I see you folks. Amen? Because I've been waiting all week to be with you and worship the Lord together with you. Amen? And I'm not preaching on that. Praise God. But, but when he came in, he saw that Nehemiah wasn't smiling. And so he said to him, what's wrong, Nehemiah? Nehemiah told him the story that he had heard news that his hometown of Jerusalem was broken down, that the walls were breached and the walls were broken down, the gates of the city was on fire, uh, the, the place was susceptible and vulnerable to invaders. And so he was moved to tears. He was grieved deep in his heart for the condition of his own hometown, of his own city and his own nation. And so the king turned to him basically saying, well, you know, and I'm paraphrasing. Well, okay, Nehemiah, you've heard the news. So what are you going to do about it? 
uh, what are you going to do about this news? And, and Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He, uh, he was not a bricklayer. He was not a stonemason. He was not a builder. You know, he had one, maybe he had soft hands and, you know, he had computer uh, keyboard fingers and he didn't have the calluses on his hands. He, he didn't know, he, he was not, he was not like Brother George, you know, he was, maybe he was more like me, you know, just really good at texting on the phone, but uh, don't know how to hold a, a tool, <laughs> don't know how to hold a, a trowel and, and a saw. And, and so Nehemiah wasn't that kind of a person. Uh, yet there was something in him, there was something within Nehemiah that he said, I, I don't know how to do some of this stuff, but, but I can do something. I, I can make myself available. I can learn to do something. I can, I can go on YouTube and learn about how to build walls, and, and I can watch all of these how-to, uh, how-to-do kind of videos. And, and he said he can do something. And so he went to that city, and he went to the, back to his homeland to, to, to see, and he gathered the people around him, and he gathered those that could help. And he made up his mind that he was going to do something about the circumstance and situation of his city. Amen. I, I think this is how it is for many people. I, I think this is how it is to, for those who come to God. And they're, 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 you see, there comes a time in every man and every woman's life. Amen. When they see the, uh, and they look over the ruins of their lives and begin to say, that's it. I don't know how I'm going to change my life. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I've got to do something to change my life. Amen. I believe that that's how some of us came to the house of God. That's how some of us came to know the Lord. There's, so, there's a point in our lives that said there's something that has to change. I can't keep going the same old, same old. I, 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 see, I look over my life and it's in a mess and there's nothing but brokenness and heartache and pain and there's nothing good I, I, this is it for me I, i've had enough something has got to change in my life and even though i don't know how i'm gonna do it even though i don't have all the answers i do know the one who's got all the answers i know the one who has the ability to help me take the ruins of my life and begin to rebuild Oh, hallelujah. And if I'm talking to anybody here this morning on live stream and you stumbled across uh, this video, this live stream, I've come to tell you if you had enough of the mess and the sin and the wickedness, I'm telling you there's a God. Even though you may not know how, when, or where, your God is able to turn it around. He's able to change your life. Oh, hallelujah. You simply got to look around this church and you can look and see all of the ex-everythings, the ex-drug addicts, the ex-liars, the ex-cheats, the ex-alcoholics, the ex-this, that, and the other. We are all ex-everything. But one day we said, I'm sick and tired. I've had enough of a life of sin and I'm going to reach out to the Lord. Oh, and when you call upon his name, he will answer. Praise God. Hallelujah. He will answer you. Amen. And so he, 
Uh, he gathers around the people and said, we're going to do something about our city. We're going to do something about our lives. And he tells, he grabs the, the bricklayers and the masons and the carpenters. And he takes all the families that are remnants in the city and the nation of Israel. And he puts them on different parts of the wall and said, we're going to start to rebuild the wall. And you know, I could hear them just start, start chanting. They've got the chant, build that wall, build that Okay, let's not get political. Right? Somebody told me, didn't like me talking about politics at the pulpit. And, and you know what I'm saying is we're not to be a political party. We, the, the church should not be a political party. But when the politics of the world is affecting our church, when the politics of the world has some of our young people going to the city and marching with, with, the, with these uh, Marxists and with these uh, uh, all kinds of ungodly organizations, I'm telling you, we've got to say something. Amen. When it's affecting our community and our church. And so, and I don't, don't let me go into that. I had enough trouble with that. Amen. But virtually from the outset, Nehemiah determined to build, rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem. He was met with opposition. Not by force, not by violence, but by words, by lies, by discouragement, and dare I say it in, in modern vernacular, by fake news. Amen. You see, the devil, the devil is the same. You got to understand that the devil is defeated. He's already been defeated by Jesus on the cross. So he can't kill you. He can't harm you. But he still speaks lies. That's why he speaks lies, because he's defeated. Amen. He won't, God won't let him touch you. God won't let him destroy you, but he can destroy you with lies and half-truths. And if he can make you believe a lie, he knows he'll build, he knows that you'll build your life on shaky foundations. And if he can get to your mind, he can ruin your thinking. And I've been in church too long to see and recognize that just because you come to church and just because you claim to be a Christian, that somehow your life is exempt and that you are going to, to be a life free of failures and mistakes. I've seen too many people walk away from God. Not because, not because things were so wrong, not because the devil was killing them, but because they started to believe a lie. And it ruined their thinking. Amen. I've come to preach to you this morning that we've got to get rid of our stinking thinking. Amen. That, that's why he'll bring the lies. That's why he'll speak the fake news. And we are saturated with all kinds of beliefs. We are saturated with all kinds of information that is bombarding our senses from our devices to what we hear at work, to what we hear in school, to what we receive. I'm telling you, it's time that we get our minds once again to begin to reject the fake news of the lies of who God is the lies of his word the lies about who we are oh hallelujah let me read something to you Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse number 1 the Bible says dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor 
You see, the apothecary was the guy that, that, that created the, the anointing oil. He would take all of the herbs and he would crush it and then he would put the olive oil and that anointing oil that would bring forth a fragrance. It would be applied to all the furnishings in the, in, in the, in the temple of the Lord and, and it would provide the sheen and this wonderful smell. But when, dead, when flies get in the apothecary, when flies get into the ointment, it brings a stench, a, a stink, a, a, a smell that is awful, and he would have to get rid of it. And the Bible says Jesus called the devil Beelzebub, which means the Lord of the flies. Amen. And what the, what the devil does, what Beelzebub does, is he puts some oil, some, some flies into the ointment of our minds and our hearts. And if he can implant a few flies that would be dead, it would cause your thinking to begin to stink. Oh, I've come to tell somebody here today that the key to your victory, it's not more money. It's not more stuff. If, if you could just have everything in place and have your duck all lined up and, and have the stars aligned no 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 the key to your victory is to remove the dead flies out of your thinking and remove the stinking thinking and begin to think come on somebody the bible says be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds as he thinketh in his heart so is he i want you to know it's time to remove the lies it's time to believe God's word about who you are you are more oh hallelujah come on you've got to remind yourself that's why we go to church every week that's why we go to bible studies and we sing the same old songs week in week out why we're trying to get our minds to believe and we're trying to remove the lies Hallelujah. Come on. I know you heard this before. If you've been in church for more than five years, you would have heard this message before. Amen. But let me tell you, I'm preaching it again. I'm telling it over and over and over again. Why? I've got to get it in my mind. I've got to get it in my spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Do I have to go to church every week? Yes, it's good for you. It's good for your mind. It's good for your thinking. It will begin to change you. And sooner or later, you're going to start believing God's word and reject the lies. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. We talked about the lies, the fake news about God that the enemy would try to tell us. Last week we talked about the fake news about doctrine. You remember that? Not only does he try to tell us fake lies about these things, but fake lies about ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 5. The Bible says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, now if you look at this carefully, it, it, it reveals a kind, of, a kind of order, a progression that if you go in reverse order, it starts off 
with a thought. Strongholds are, are, are fortifications, are, are structures where there's military, and, and it's a, a fortified structure where they defend against the enemy. And he says, we have these strongholds. Not, not, we don't you know, have forts in our houses, but in our minds. And it begins with a thought. This thought comes into your head, into your mind. And, you know, you've heard the saying, you know, birds can fly over your head, and that's fine. You don't always have control of the thoughts that come into your mind, but you just can't allow the birds to build a nest in your head. Amen. But it begins with a thought, and if you think about something long enough, it turns into knowledge. And knowledge is where you start to believe something. You start to acknowledge something. Amen. And when from knowledge... And then it goes into imaginations. That when you start to believe something, amen, you will start to imagine in your mind and in your heart about that thing. Amen. That's why when, you, you know, it's called the uh, reticular activation system. You ever notice that when you, when you buy a new car, when you buy this new model of a car, then when you drive it out of the lot, all of a sudden, you start seeing the same car everywhere. Ever notice that? That, that's just something that we have been built because, you know, we've become, now we, we've gotten this new car. We start to see everything in terms of this car. We see other vehicles in terms of that car. It, it's the same with imaginations that when you believe about something, you start to imagine and you start to get, get, get all the evidence that you will only see evidence as it pertains to that belief. So if you believe that, that nobody likes you in the church and you come into the church and nobody likes me, then your imagination will start to see, oh, that person's not smiling at me. See? That, I, I knew it. I knew they didn't like me. You, you start saying, oh, see that girl? She walked right by me. And she didn't even say hello. I knew it. You will start to interpret your world according to your knowledge. And imaginations begin to grab all of what you believe until it becomes a stronghold in your mind and you're no longer able to remove it i've come to tell you you've got to remove you the the Bible says you got to pull down through the power of the Holy Ghost, through the power of the name of Jesus, you can pull down those strongholds. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. You've got the same strongholds that every time you, you go through problems, you run away. That's your stronghold. Every time you go through a little pressure, you give up and you surrender and you walk away from God. It's time to remove the stronghold in your mind and let the you got to let the word of God fill your heart oh hallelujah that's our warfare brothers and sisters you don't have to go chasing devils and turning over stones and go on a witch hunt you've already got the battle right there if you can tear down that lie the lie of the devil glory to God hallelujah Oh, bless the name of the Lord. As he thinks in his heart, the Bible says, that's who he is. Amen. And so here we have this, this wonderful story. And in the, in the virtually in the immediate, the outset of them starting to rebuild the city. Chapter 2 of Nehemiah verse 19 tells us that this guy, Sanballat, 
the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it. And here's what they did. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Are you going to rebel against the king? And, and just, just like the serpent in the garden, he simply asks in cunning and a subtle way so as to begin to imply. He just asks the question so that he implies an idea. And, and hear me, when, when you, uh, you, you know, we're, again, we're, what we see is very subtle. What we receive from the media, from television, from Hollywood, it's all very subtle. But I'm telling you, when you're watching hundreds of hours by the time a kid is 18, of th hundreds of thousands of hours of violence, if you watch hundreds of thousands of, of shows where, where a husband's cheating on his wife and his wife's cheating on her husband, you're going to grow up to begin to think in subtle ways uh, in what's implied that you're not really happy unless you find somebody else that you're not really enjoying life unless you have the status symbols of money and car you've your start you're going to start to believe the subtle lies that, that this is not you're not going to find any fulfillment unless you do what they're doing in those movies oh i've come to tell you today that that's a lie from the enemy you you can't allow the devil to to shame you and embarrass you and cause you to think that god's word is not true and that's the first lie that he told he says, it says that they laughed him to scorn and despised us. The first lie is that you're an embarrassment. That's lie number one. You're an embarrassment or shame. What we struggle with is what had continues to plague us since Adam and Eve ate of that fruit and realized that they were naked and in shame they hid themselves that was their first instinct is to hide themselves and no wonder they they now stood guilty before god and were vulnerable to each other and satan and, and to satan in a whole new and horrible way we have a tendency to hide folks when we fail when we make mistakes and we uh, we don't know uh we don't want anyone to know and the devil would like to shame you right out of the grace of God. He'd like to embarrass us and cause us to say, and perhaps you've been brought up that way. Perhaps you've been brought up by, by somebody, an authority figure in your life who shamed you all the days when you were young and, and you were always ashamed. And so you went on this headlong pursuit to succeed and to succeed for success because you wanted to prove and you wanted to remove the shame out of your life because of your failures because of what you've done and every time you make a mistake every time you fail that those words come ringing back that you were a, a failure that you were an embarrassment amen can i tell you here today that god is not ashamed of you that god is not embarrassed of you he already knows you're going to fail he already knows you're going to make mistakes he already knows all the things that nobody else sees and so the cure for our shame is not to is to hide yes but not hide in the wrong place but you've got to hide in the right place not no longer hide in the pubs and in the clubs and, and going back 
to sin and, and not come to church and close yourself off from the world that's not where you hide but you can hide in Christ the Bible says we are hid in Christ that whenever shame comes flooding back into your heart you go to God you enter into him hallelujah you enter into his grace Oh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I've come to tell you when you are walking in the Holy Ghost, when you are walking in the Spirit of God, Oh, there's healing that takes place. Amen. That there's no longer shame that's going to plague you and cause you to always be miserable. Come on. I'm talking to somebody right now. It's about time that you forgive yourself for that mistake that you made. It's about time that you bury under the blood of Jesus that failure, that flaw, that falter. It's a lie from the devil. I don't care who said it to you when you were young. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus Christ and I claim the victory and the promise of God oh hallelujah I know because this is what I had to deal with God has set me free and I stand upon the promise of God hallelujah he wanted to laugh them to scorn. What an embarrassment. Look at you. Who do you think you are? You're going to build this wall? You're nothing but a cupbearer. Who do you think you are? You're not worthy of this. You're trying to rebel against the king? That's the lie of the devil. We'll try to tell you who are you to try and live for God? Who are you to think that you can contribute to the kingdom of God? I've come to tell you that God loves you. He thinks the world of you and he's got a plan. Man, he's got a purpose. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I, I wish I could stay on this for a little longer. But number two, line number two comes from Nehemiah chapter four, verse number two. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Again, just a question, but a subtle question enough that it would imply a lie. Amen. And the lie number two is simply said, they call them feeble, useless. The second lie is that you're not good enough. What are these feeble Jews doing? The lie the enemy perpetrates to your mind is that you're not good enough. You're not good enough to make it. You can't live for God. You've been doing, doing this, living this other life for too long. Look, look, at, look at the background of your life. Look at how you started. Look at the brokenness and the abuse and dysfunction in your home and your family of origin. And that's why you are who you are. You're, you'll never be able to make it. You'll never be good enough. You're just a feeble Jew. You're useless. Uh, you have uh, you know, you're, all these lies that tell you that you're not good enough. And can I tell you, we don't get good to get God. Come on, somebody. We don't get good to get God. We get God to become good. 
Amen. And I've come to tell you, remind somebody that you are good enough, that you are sufficient. And the weakest one out of us all here today, I want you to know that you are good enough. You are exactly what God has in store. And he said that you are enough and that he loves you and that you can make it. You don't have to believe the lie of the devil. Just because you fail, it does not make you a failure. You fail. Your failures are simply stepping stones. Come on, somebody. Your failures don't define you, but they are stepping stones to the destiny of who God called you to be. You are good enough. You are accepted. God sees you. Oh, I wish I could talk to somebody right now. Paul said we can do all things through Christ. Hallelujah. You've got everything that you need. You say, well, pastor, I'm not very talented. I don't have, I don't, I've only got one string on this guitar. I don't have many gifts. I don't have the good looks. I don't have any money. I don't have a great job. I've only got this one string on this, on this instrument. If you only got one string, then honey, you play that string with every kind, with everything that you got, with all the gusto, with all the anointing of that one string. It may just be a bass string you play that bass string like you were brother mo boom, 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 boom. you if, if you got only one one key on that piano you play it like sister stephanie and press that piano and i'm telling you the anointing of god is gonna make the difference hallelujah hallelujah you're good enough oh i don't know who this is for but let these words ring true in your heart you are good enough you are good enough you are sufficient god says you are good enough hallelujah oh i've come to blow that lie right out of the water Amen. I refuse. You remember the story. I think Brother Ben preached the last week of the 12 spies that went out and to spy out the land. They looked over the Canaan land. Oh my goodness. It was like Westfields 10 times. There was grapes, clusters of grapes so big they had to have two guys on poles holding these clusters of grapes. It surely was a land flowing with milk and honey. But when they came back, 10 of those spies said, uh-uh, it's nice and all it's pretty but there's some giants there there's the the sons of Anak and here's what they said they came again they came with a fake news they said but we are but grasshoppers in their sight and you know what it says in numbers right after they said that it says we were in our own sight as grasshoppers so we were in their sight do you hear that he said, however we saw ourselves, that's what manifested in reality. Amen. He says, we, because we saw ourselves as grasshoppers, we, they saw us as grasshoppers. Oh, I wish I could talk to somebody. Whatever you see of yourself, whatever you believe, whatever your mind begins to meditate and begin to believe, that's the reality of your life. Oh, you can believe all you want to that you're going to fail and make mistakes, but I refuse to believe the fake news that I'm a failure, but I I believe God's word that I can do all things through Christ oh hallelujah whatever you see 
Hallelujah. I got to hurry. I got to close. You realize that, that we, we, see, we, we see things not necessarily in words, but in pictures. So when I say to you the word cat, you're not going to picture a dog. You picture a cat. And, and you, know, you know the story I shared this about, about Jacob and, and his uncle Laban who, who tried to swindle him, you know, tricked him with his wife, Rachel and Leah. There's, a, there's an intriguing story they found in the book of Genesis where he, he, his uncle says, okay, what can I pay you for all of your years of labor? And, and he simply says, well, I'm very cunning. Jacob was very smart. You know, Jacob's a smart, smart guy. He said, well, you know, you give me the sheep, the, the, all, all of the livestock that have stripes and spots, all of the imperfect uh, animals. And so he does this thing. He takes a branch and he strips the branch. He puts stripes on the branch and he puts it in the water where all of the livestock were now beginning to mate. Okay? Uh, this is weird. This is really weird. And I have no scientific explanation for this. But, but it says when the sheep were mating and they were looking at these striped branches, their offspring, as a, as a product of their mating, the offspring <laughs> came out with stripes. And I, when I was reading this, I said, God, what, why have you got this in the Bible? This is a really strange story to, to, to leave in the Bible. But, but God was trying to show me, he said, what, what, what they saw, they produced. What, what you're looking at, you're going to give birth to. What, what, what you imagine, what you visualize. And I'm not talking about, you know, this visualization like the new age religion trying to do. But the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. And when you come to God, you have got to learn not to have a vision for more money, not to have a vision for this, that, and the other. But first and foremost, you've got to have a vision for yourself. You've got to see yourself living a clean life. Amen. If you keep telling yourself and reminding yourself, I'll never stop drugs, and I'll never be able to quit alcoholism, and, and I'll never be able to stop cheating on my taxes and stop cheating on my husband. Amen. I'm telling you, you're going to keep fulfilling that prophecy but if you start to visualize and you have a vision for who you are that I can live a holy life that I can walk in humility that I can overcome drugs and, and nicotine and alcohol I'm telling you what you see with your eyes you're gonna begin to manifest as a reality in your life it's time to remove the lies of the fake news and say God I believe Hallelujah. Looking, the Bible says, unto Jesus. You got to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. You've got to have a vision. Yeah. Hallelujah. Not for just your goals, not just for your financial goals, not just for your career goals, but a vision as who you are. You got to see yourself. Come on, young person. Come on, young man, young woman. You got to see yourself as a preacher, as an evangelist. Not, not, to, not to so that you can boast, not for your personal ambitions, but you've got to see what God can make out of you. He can make you into a pastor. He can make you into an evangelist. He can make you. My bad. I, I got to hurry. Musicians. Come and give him some hope. 
I wish I had time. The next lie. It's from that same passage. What do these feeble Jews? He said, will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? The stones that are burned? He said, can you do something with, with the rubble that's left of these stones that have been burnt? Can you do something with the remnant of the city that has been broken down and is left into a heap? Can you do anything? And, that, and that's, the other, that's the next lie. Is that you will always be held hostage by your past. That somehow you are always going to be bound by what happened yesterday. And... and I know there are people here who have had some horrific stories and horrific backgrounds. And, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not minimizing any abuse that you've undergone. I'm not minimizing any hurt and pain. But I want you to know you don't have to be defined by what happened in the past. You don't have to be held hostage by the mistakes, by your failures. Uh, messed up my marriage messed up my, my career I wasn't good to my kids didn't spend any time with my children listen to me you got to quit beating yourself up over the head because if God has forgiven you you have no right you have no right to hold withhold forgiveness for yourself but you are not defined by your past but your past is merely a, a backdrop for the glory of God and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away every sin in your can, can I can you make anything out of these stones yes if the stones stones don't burn uh, they can burn they get all red hot but then they go back to shape when it cools down they might be black they might be ugly but listen to me you you can get some sandpaper sand it down start again and you can take one one brick and one stone and begin to put it upon on top of one another until you start to rebuild again your life oh you said you don't know the rubble and the ugliness and the mess i know a god who said if you pick it up and put it just one brick at a time I'm not saying that you everything's going to change right now but if you keep coming to church you keep praying you keep opening up your Bible and meditating on God's word I'm telling you sooner or later that wall is going to be built that city is going to be restored hallelujah glory to God hallelujah Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God wants to do something in somebody's life here today. He wants to transform you. The broken pieces of the, bro the bricks and the stones that look ugly. It's blackened. It's dirty. It's, it's not put together. Come on, it's time. Don't believe the lie. 
that you won't be able to do something when oh yes I will oh yes I can I, I can do something with this life with the ugliness and the brokenness I'm gonna rebuild again until God has restored unto me the joy of my salvation hallelujah would you lift your hands and your voices right now in the name of Jesus father we come before you today we're asking you right now as you search our hearts you search our minds oh God today Lord that we would Lord God reject the fake news that it's over now we refuse to believe the lie of the enemy Lord God today we are making a stand Today we're going to rebuild one prayer at a time, one stone at a time, one commitment at a time. Look, God, until you bring us back into the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. Until your image is born through us, is seen and made evident in our lives. Lord, right now we come to you and asking you for your help. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I want to invite you to come to this altar. If you believe the word of God, if you believe his promise for you today, and you just maybe want to build, rebuild one brick at a time, you want to remove those lies from out of your mind, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. He'll fill you with his spirit. He'll restore and bring healing to you. The blood of Jesus can wash over you right now and cleanse you from everything, every malady, every hurt. He's got enough power. Power. the blood of Jesus has enough power to restore to cleanse if you believe that right now why don't you respond in the next few minutes talk to Jesus to him alone just between you and God oh hallelujah hallelujah Glory. this altar is open why don't you come Oh, I feel the Spirit of God moving in this house. I feel God moving me this morning to touch somebody's life. Come on, wherever you are, call upon His name. Oh, yes, oh, yes.